Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and joining us today, folks, we've got the founder and CEO of Seed. Please give a warm welcome to Miss Sabrina Williams. Sabrina, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. This is great. Of course. Well, I, I like uh, what you were saying earlier about flow, getting in this this uh this mindset of where time just doesn't really exist and so that's actually where i want to start is like four and a half years ago like why make the change to jump into this like dangerous realm of entrepreneurship (laughs) like what was like like take me into that moment or serious Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, I think that's a great question because it's something that I try to be mindful of every day, but it's actually wasn't so much of a jump in four and a half years ago. Um, my background is is pretty diverse. Um, I have degrees in architecture, law, and urban planning. And so those have really served as, um, I like to call them guideposts or reference points um, for everything that I've done. Um, you know, from building prototypes to drafting patent documents to uh, doing site research. And so I ran a nonprofit uh, for 20 years that addressed food security. And we created a project there to work in urban farms and um, community food systems. Um, and so I had taken a grant from the US Department of State to um, work on precision agriculture in Cuba. And it was there that I started to understand that, oh, we have urban farms that are smallholder um, in Los Angeles, where I am, and that the same issues could be addressed by integrating technology with those farmers' expertise. Um, And so when you talk about entrepreneurship, I'd already been doing um, leading an organization, just wasn't for profit. Um, And essentially I was able to take what I call a a maker mentality. I worked at a maker space um, into learning how to code and um, create electronics, you know, in my (laughs) fifties. So that was a, you know, it's been a long time coming to get to seed. Um, but yeah, so my background is definitely, I'd say 25 years entrepreneurship um, is where I am right now. Love that. Got it. It makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, so a seasoned vet, forgive me. Um, <laughs> S- Sabrina, a question for you, though. I mean, kind of got, like being in like the the social impact space for quite some time. Was there a specific issue around smallholder farmers. I mean, they make around, I think like 95% of our food, but are still living on a very small wage. It's kind of weird to think about mm-hmm. if you're eating uh, you know, an apple that's not really mass produced. Um, but uh, was there an issue or a problem you identified that you really wanted to address with this now for-profit business model? Yeah. So a lot of smallholder farmers don't have access to technology that allows them to improve their sites. So even though many of them 
um, were producing um, and able to uh, use their own physical labor to work their sites and um, you know, oftentimes grow food in overages that they could take to farmers markets and things like that. They weren't doing it to the yield um, numbers that they actually could if they had technology. So when I mentioned before taking to Cuba, the first piece of technology that we created was a precision irrigation system. And that significantly increased um, these smallholder farmers yields because they were watering more um, uh, effectively. Uh, they were able to take, like I said, these overages to sell at the farmer's markets. And we discovered that their soil was becoming more healthy, healthier. Um, and so looking at them, being on the ground with them and seeing how we were uh, achieving these benefits with technology, we realized, well, shoot, we should be, you know, trying to get this uh, out there more broadly than the, sm the few small few small farms that we were working at. Um, and so that was really the impetus for moving forward in this for-profit was let's create these technologies, this access to technology for these smallholder farms so that they could increase their income. It, it makes a lot of sense to me. And for anyone that's like trying to learn about like what an impact company is, I always try like like looking at models like yours where you provide, you know, smallholder farmers access to technology they otherwise may not have access to. Um, and what you're doing with the crops is actually providing more regenerative soils. Like the soil health is improving. Like literally the life is coming back to the soil in these areas. It's increasing the yields and putting more money back into the smallholders uh, wages into their pockets. It's really a, a triple bottom line approach, people, planet, profit. I'm just out of curiosity, like what, what has been maybe the most difficult challenge for you um, just over the past four and a half years of getting this up and going? I mean, is it just connecting with smallholder farmers? Is it, has it been on the people side? Like just fill me in about like what you're, what you're experiencing. Um, very little of it has been um, related to the smallholders. Once you uh, start talking about um, the benefits and the technology, they take over and this is one of the great things about seed. What we've been able to do is, is rely a lot upon collaboration with the smallholders um, to help us develop the products. So the real difficulty has been in uh, funding um, because farming isn't traditionally um, one of those areas where you um, see a lot of um, investment. Um, we know that there are large commercial farms that receive subsidies and um, you know, incentives from the U.S. government, but that's not really happening for smallholders who make up a larger percentage of um, uh, the farming community. Hmm. So really trying to make sure that we create something um, that benefits them uh, in a short amount of time has been difficult because the funding just uh, is there. It's challenging let's say, to get funding for that sort of project. You know, a lot of uh, founders, especially in the impact space, are being impacted by, you know, just the, the state of the economy and getting the capital. Um, like for the founders listening to this, like what have you tried that has worked? Um, and maybe just some learning experiences that might be helpful for anyone who is considering raising capital in this environment. 
Yeah. So what's really been phenomenal is connecting with um, accelerators and incubators. Mm. Um, in, in Los Angeles, we've worked with the LA Clean Tech Incubator or LACI, um, and they've been super supportive um, of the work we've been doing. Um, they helped us uh, fund our first pilot, and that got the ball rolling so that we could gain a, you know, a little bit of traction, a lot of traction um, at some point. Um, and then, you know, just you have to stay uh, true to your mission because a lot of times um, you'll go into spaces where um, people are not understanding what you're trying to do. And that goes for everyone. I mean, you're trying to tell a story, right? But when you don't have something that fits into like a venture capital vision necessarily, it's going to have this 10 times, 100 times return. Um, immediately, you have to uh, figure out ways, A, to tell a really uh, compelling story about why you're doing what you're doing and why it's important and how it benefits the people that want to plunk down some cash. But also, I think that helps you discover, again, the spaces to walk into because there are organizations, there are um, grant makers out there that can um, fund your vision. But even on the venture side, with more impact uh, VCs out there, it's finding those specific ones that are aligned to your vision and not kind of backing down from your vision because it's very easy to do that. Um, and then you get lost if you do back down from that. Um, so I learned that you know, along the last year or so of, of stepping into that world, the more I stepped away or back just to please them and what they wanted to hear, um, it, it was not serving what we're doing at Seed. So finding like the right values aligned, capital partner um, with a good balance, like are, yeah. they, are they active, are they passive? Like that's, that really takes a lot of restraint for an entrepreneur who, you know, can really use the capital, right? To go oh, to business. absolutely. Yes. I love that. I love that. Well, it's, you know, you're really going through it and, and I just commend you for the work that you're doing. Just like for listeners, like who are curious about like the actual technology itself, like what is the product that you provide that helps uh, improve yields and soil health? So it's a soil carbon sensor um, and it's um, uh, measuring uh, carbon content in the soil. Um, so high carbon levels in soil are generally associated with improved soil structure and um, water holding capacity and nutrient availability. And when you have a healthy soil, you're supporting a more um, diverse microbial community, um, which just keeps cycling through to, to keep the soil healthy. But the tool itself um, is a handheld, um, sensor that you place in the ground and it measures this carbon soil content very simply and affordably. And it's calibrated to uh, remote sensing um, estimates. Right now it's calibrated to the USDA's uh, remote um, soil sensing database. Mm -hmm. um, and that's allowing us to validate our number um, and confirm it. And um, once those farmers have that number, they're able to use it as a baseline so that if they need to add any amendments, um, you know, like compost or biochar or anything like that, 
they can at that point keep measuring to make sure they're staying at a number, maintaining something or uh, 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 improving that number. Um, and it's also working towards remediation. So not only are you learning how much um, you're sequestering of carbon, which is taking that out of the atmosphere and trapping it in the soil, um, which is a great impact for climate change, but you're also able to um, measure the improvement of your soil against things like um, petroleum contamination or um, uh, excessive nitrogen um, or lead. So that's what the tool is doing for those smallholder farmers. Interesting. That's that's very helpful, and and I could see um, how this would be beneficial, and also like the way I'm thinking about it, is like it's almost like metrics for you know like a watch for biometrics it's like for a human like you you get some understanding of, you know maybe what maybe your pulse is too high your oxygen in your your body is too low mm-hmm. and you, you may need to make those adjustments to to have a healthy uh lifestyle um it you know a question i have for a lot of impact organizations and and you know we we rank the top impact companies every single year in, in realtors magazine and and this year's applicants really shocked me uh, because everyone measures impact differently uh, internally. Now there, there's a lot of in between, but it was it's just always like a humbling moment that to think that this is still a very nascent space um, that is working on trying to to get it right. Just like curiosity, Sabrina, like how do you measure your impact? Or if you were to measure your impact, is there a metric that that you think is helpful that's correlated with your growth? Yeah, I mean, so I'll 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 answer this by backing up a, a, a little bit and 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 easing into the answer. Uh, we became a certified B corporation um, very intentionally so that we could remain accountable, and part of that is um, assessing the work that we're doing and maintaining. Um, uh, a certain set of um, uh, deliverables, um, having metrics in place. Um, and so part of that, that assessment um, leans into our manufacturing with fair trade plastic or um, consumer uh, right to repair, supporting that, um, reducing e-waste. We vet manufacturers and, you know, with a sustainability pledge, um, and supplier code of conduct. And of course, always um, diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI policy that's um, framed around our core values. And all of that in line with um, UN uh, sustainable development goals that you really speak to what we're doing. And so our metrics have to uh, work within all of that. And they include how many farmers are we reaching? Um, you know, there are 500 million smallhold farmers around the world. What percentage of those farmers are we reaching? At this point with our technology, we can reach about 1.5 million of those farmers in our first year. Um, then there are also the metrics of how much yield. Um, and we've increased, helped farmers increase yields three times three times over with even just precision irrigation, but amending the soil and making it healthy. Then of course, one of the biggest metrics falls, how much carbon are we pulling out of the atmosphere? 
And with some of uh, the smallhold farmers that we've even just worked with on pilots and we, you know, uh, extrapolate that to this, this 1.5 million, talking about multiple hundreds of millions of metric tons of um, CO2 out of the atmosphere. So those are some baseline metrics that we look at just to be sure that we are doing the work um, to, to create an impact. Um, and, and it's primarily impact on the climate, but when you're doing that, you're positively impacting the folks that you're working with. And, and Sabrina, it seems like at each stage of it, maybe this, this journey of, of this, whether it's a customer journey or product journey, like there, there's a different impact at each level, i.e. manufacturing and maybe just, yeah, this how these things come together. You're looking into the suppliers and then also to like the greenhouse gas emissions that might be reduced or the the chemicals or just the, the yields and then how the yields translate. That like, that is a lie. I'm just like at a curiosity, like how do you communicate your impact? Like how do you, how do you communicate your impact to your employees whether it's a recruitment strategy, whether you're leading a meeting, like how, how do you use this? So, I mean, there are bare numbers, like I just laid out to you that way, that of course you write down, you can pass that out, you put it through an email. That's very basic how we communicate um, with, with almost anyone. But then the communication can't just be through these paper trail or verbal. You have to actually get into the field. So. We do a lot of work. I mean, the, the, the primary employees here, the three of us, um, we're actually in the field talking to farmers. Um, that's not just numbers data, that's people data to see how they're using the tool, what kind of things can we collaborate on. They're bringing information back to us. So that's, that's mandatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we work with other organizations. So we want to make sure that we're always having this ecosystem um, that is is working together on this issue um, so that nothing falls in the in the cracks. Yeah, that, that it's interesting, you know, like out of the all of the I think 400 plus applicants that we had, like the number one core value and like how impact shows up in the culture is actually through collaboration. Um, and, and that goes a long way, like understanding your customers and all of your stakeholders and working together is, is incredibly important. How would you describe like your leadership style, Sabrina? Like, is it a very collaborative kind of style leadership? Like fill me in, like, how, how do you think others describe you? I think that that is exactly the word. I mean, I've just used it a few times already, but, um, there's collaboration, of course, because that builds trust, um, very curious and active learning um, and active listening. Um, But I I think one of the key uh, pieces is empathy. So empathy, uh, meaning like I said, we go into the communities, we hear what people are saying, you're paying attention, thinking beyond yourself. um, And and that has to be forefront. Um, it's it's taking cues from the people around you to achieve a goal that everybody wants, um, or at least everybody benefits from. Um, and so, I think really being quiet and listening um, is really a, a key to 
my leadership style and what people would probably say that I do um, well. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. That's a good trait of, of leadership is active listening, right? I mean, that's like the number one thing everyone who comes on the show says, like you gotta be a really, really good listener. And that's really with anything you do, I think. Um, a couple more questions for you, Sabrina, while we have you here, just uh, two, two ones, two questions to end the show. And the first one's this, is that's just impact. We've talked a lot about it today, right? And it's, it's used collaboratively. It's used throughout all of your stakeholders, but like, it's measurable sometimes, but like, how do you define impact? Um, I think impact is creating a space for people to grow. So um, you, you might have metrics, you might have things that, that show that something has happened, but have you um, made way for folks who, who haven't had um, a chance to um, achieve their goals? Um, have you made a space for that to happen? And if you have, then you've made an impact. You've not made just an impact on the, that person. Um, that is generational. And so, yeah, just, just creating that space for, for people to thrive, I think, is, is a better way to put it. Like providing something that otherwise might not be there or just making a difference. I like that. Um, and then, Spring, I know I already asked you this question similar, but this is the question that we ask everyone that comes on this program. I've asked about leadership, but I want your answer on this one. That is, what is your definition of a real leader? A real leader is someone who understands the environment that they're in and uses that to push the needle forward. So it's someone, again, who is paying attention to the environment and helping others activate their goals within that environment. I love that. That's good. Good answer for Sabrina Williams. I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, pay attention to the environment, help people activate their goals, and always keep it real. Thanks, Sabrina. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, Real Leaders, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to realleaders.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.